I never asked you to do anything <laughs> that involves technology here. The keyboard wizard's not here. No, absolutely not. So, yeah. It's not even got a soundboard for Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's happened there? So, when he turned but, into a robot, <laughs> the door. That's maybe my laugh, to be fair. <laughs> so, I guess, I guess we should probably start. Um, Hopefully, people can see us on Facebook and various other locations. If they cannot, that is a shame, and you will see this um, after the fact. But let's just let's just assume people can see this for now. Um, obviously, I am not Cameron Black, um, despite what my wee name tag may or may not say. Um, Cami has, despite having months where nothing was happening, Cami has decided to choose the one week where. Scottish Rugby returns um, to go off on holiday, off on his jollies. So you've got myself hosting, John Anderson, and joining me tonight, as you'll see, we have Sandy Smith. Evening all. And the the wonder that is Ian Hay, still trying to figure out technology. <laughs> I'm trying to share this because you can't do your job properly. Hello, hello everyone, how are you? <laughs> it's amateurs in the driving seat. I think. It's, am- it's amateur hour. Uh, Where so- else am I sharing this? Whatever you want, mate. Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Amateur hour is with us. So, I take it we're well, gents. Yes? Indeed, yep. <laughs> that was an uh, interesting, uh, interesting call there, Ian. So, it's been one of the weeks. It's been one of those weeks. Will we start with some news, yes. gentlemen? So, yes. the first, first bit of news that I noticed, it laid out, came out earlier on today um the south african teams are are no more for 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 this season they have uh, decided they will not participate um originally it came out the kings were uh, pulling out for the rest of 2020 it's then kind of the then came out the cheetahs have done the same due to restrictions in south africa regarding travel um the pro 14 have issued a statement saying that they will obviously look at ways to move the tournament forward in their absence uh, with a a view to reviewing in January what's continuing. Um, One of the suggestions that's been put forward is that um, the teams will look to play each other once in the run-up to January. Um, And then if the South African teams can't return, they would just reverse the fixtures and go back to the old-style Pro 12. Um, obviously, if the South African teams can come back in, then you've got some gap weeks that you can tend to you'll be able to fit games in. But yeah, um, I'll come to you, Sandy, first. Um, as a wee bit of a surprise, but I know the Kings have been struggling, but certainly it was a surprise to hear about the Cheetahs. Yeah, and I mean, I think there was a failed takeover in, uh, earlier on in the year, when, which is probably not helped with the budget as well as the, the uh, uh, COVID uh, nonsense. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, obviously they've been struggling at the bottom of the league all the way through, but um, it's still a shame to see because I always think of the supporters when I, in, this, in these scenarios because, you know, all of a sudden you thought you had a team in a league and now it doesn't look as if they're going to be playing any rugby whatsoever, never mind in the Pro 14. Um, and that, that, that's got to be kind of weird. Um, for those that su- support the Kings, and, and I know that uh, there's not been a lot of them, but you know, uh, even then, and the cheers were good value, so that that's real 
Um, I mean, they made the playoffs in their first year and, and we're always been competitive. And it, I always think it, it, you know, if one went, then there's always a good chance the other one would because you're trying to go to South Africa for one game just doesn't, doesn't seem like a particularly good use of resources. So um, I think it's probably sensible at the moment that they both kind of withdraw rather than uh, uh, doing anything else. Um, I suspect, it's kind of, I mean, I, I can see a point with the, the one round of games, hopefully they'll be back in, but if that doesn't work out, then we're playing a lot more. I think you'd, we'd end up playing more games than we would just now with 14 teams if the you know, if we carried on with it, and which I don't think is particularly helpful, but no, I think I think that's fair. Given everything that's you know in terms of the season, it's going to be a, a really long season with all the internationals to fit in as well. So I think I think that's fair. Um, Ian, um, obviously, I don't I don't believe you've made the trip over to South Africa, but um, certainly I don't think Glasgow missed their trips over to uh, Bloemfontein or anywhere like that. Rory Jackson certainly wouldn't have missed it. Um, no, but that's, you know, like Sandy was saying, you know, the Cheetahs are one of the, well, both teams are very entertaining, but the Cheetahs in particular, like, I mean, they were only a couple of points behind Glasgow. They'd, um, you know, they, they're a real attacking threat, uh, but, you know, you talk about going to Bloemfontein, and if, if I went, you know, I think Warriors probably took more fans over than uh, actual Cheetahs fans would go, because that stadium was constantly like 85, 90% empty, you know, it's just a, a cavern. No Edinburgh jokes, John. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, as well as Sandy was saying, you know, if one went, I think the other would go. The Kings have always been struggling um, to get results on the field, even though they managed to beat both their, their teams uh, yeah. recently. But um, I looks like we'll be go- well. Will that be? Do you think it would just be for a season, or I mean, that, what I really worry about is that the clubs will fold because the yeah. the. the uh, South African rugby union have said there's no point in throwing money at this at the um, the Kings in particular uh, because it would just be a bad investment. Um, there's no yep. point in throwing good money after bad. So you know, will this just be a temporary thing? Will the clubs fold? Well, there was rumours, of course, that actually they were looking to amalgamate all the South African Super Rugby teams into. So I, th- I believe the negotiations for the new setup for Super Rugby is season uh, next season. So not not. Not the. It's kind of hard, isn't it? Because we're at the end of a season, but it feels like the beginning of a season. So not this kind of season coming, but the following season, um, the Super Rugby negotiations, I believe, are up. And there was rumours that they would be looking to move the South African franchises towards the European uh, League. Um, it's yeah, it does open up. Obviously, I think I think the the point around it being a one year thing is 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 probably fair, but I think it does open up the gate for the the constant um, rumours about the where where will the pro pro how many and where will we end up next? And you can imagine the the chat will be you know if the two South African franchises do fold and perhaps South Africa can't fund. Um, the teams to come over, you know, obviously I think the the current setups funded by the TV deal mainly. Um, I'm sure we'll start to hear rumours about the American franchises again and um, Europe, um, Germany, have, there was talk of a potentially a German team getting involved as well. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame. And I think, 
I mean, if this was, obviously, this is a Scottish rugby podcast. If this was an Italian rugby podcast, we would obviously be a lot better looking. But... Um, Speak for yourself. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you, would, you wouldn't be really, if you were a, a Zebra or a Treviso supporter, you wouldn't necessarily be relishing the idea of perhaps going back to being the whipping boys of no. the... Of the league, or so, a dragons fan, or a dragons fan. Well, I know. I always forget about the dragons. That's how that's how bad they are. Um, so um, you can't, you can't even oh. beat a team with fourteen men. <laughs> so we've we, so we've had our first telling off, guys. Uh, Cammy's telling us to behave. So our, <laughs> our, our overlord is watching. Hi, uh, Cam. I think that I think that was aimed at you. I, I'm not sure what I've said this time, but anyway. So. Um, any any other news? Any anything jumping out at you from the world of rugby? Um, well, speaking of that uh, dragons incident where uh, they, they could be a forty man Ospreys, George North might be banned for the Scotland Wales game. Oh, he's taken a four week, you know, this four week in rugby forever, but you know, uh, four week ban for his dangerous tackle on Ashton Hewitt. Um, did you see it? At all? I've not yeah. seen the tackle. No. Yeah, uh, I think he's careless. Really, I thought very careless. Yeah, ah. I mean, I think it was Sean Hawley that was the um, co-commentator. He he thought there was maybe a Dragons player had got in his way and sighted him. But when you see it on the replay, he's got a clear run at Hewitt, and he's just I mean, he's focused on the ball. He's not taking into consideration somebody else might be jumping up to get it, and he's cleared Hewitt out dangerously. Um, ah. So let it all ahead to go. Um, but yeah, he might be missing out for for Wales. Uh, any other news? Well, on, uh, on the on the same subject to Scotland v Wales, I read. I'm sure I read yesterday or today that um, uh, the game might be getting played now at the Olympic Stadium in London because the uh, the Welsh uh, uh, rugby union have decided that trickers is too expensive. Um, uh, the date of the game, which I forget now. Um, West Ham are away, uh, and I think they're the tenants there, I think. Um, so it can easily be played um, at, uh, at the Olympic Stadium, which is a, apparently a, a good bit cheaper. So it's not set in stone, but I read that today, I think it was today. Yeah. So, so the rumour mill suggesting if you're booking your tickets to head to head down, aim for that. Smoke, yeah. aim, no, aim for that the big part. smoke, don't, don't get stuck in Bristol. No. So like, not, I don't think it was anything else. Sounds like the no. RFU are maybe, you know, pricing themselves out of the market there. If they're skint and they're wanting to make money back, would it not make sense to undercut the Olympic yeah. Stadium? Fire sale. Yeah. Get, 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 your, get, your, get your product out there. So, um, I guess we've probably delayed it long enough then. Um, that's the news from this week. Let's talk about the game at the weekend. So, yay! Pro Rugby is yay. back in Scotland. Woo! How excited were we all? That was amazing. Um Back, uh, obviously, at a, um, an empty BT Murrayfield Stadium. You'll note there was no joke there. Um, it was actually, um, it was eerie. It was strange. Um, it was rusty. But ultimately, Edinburgh won out. Uh, comfortable victors in the end up. So, I guess we'll come to you for your reaction first, Sandy. Uh, pleased, I assume. Oh, I, I, delighted. It was... Uh... I mean, I, I think I, before the game kicked off, I was probably more nervous than I think I've ever been for a game of rugby. But I think that was just a lack of action, to, to be fair. But and and it's been a long time since there's been anything that actually had that much at stake in it for uh, 
for Edinburgh. So, um, so to get that, um, and then even at half time, still wasn't feeling particularly good. Um, but you know, Edinburgh do have a good second half game. Um, it's uh, the statistics show out. So they uh, and they brought that in and they, and they did the business. So delighted, and we'll we'll see how we go on against um, the boys from Belfast in the in the, in the coming week. Yes. A, although we've still got a game to play, but that's the that's the the, the, the sticking point in between. <laughs> How does it feel to be referred to as a sticking point, Ian? <laughs> I've been called far worse things in my time. It's, um, it's actually fascinating to know how it's going to pan out this week, to be honest. It's, even though there's not a great deal at stake, it's um, the, the the choices that, and particularly Edinburgh, I've got to make, because that's where my focus is, are uh, quite fascinating. Yeah, I think, I think it is, it's interesting, and I think, Ian... Um, be good to get your take on this. Edinburgh, obviously, as Sandy alludes to, have the Glasgow game is a distraction for them now. Um, they've got a home semi-final to look forward to. Um, as a Warriors fan, you've you've been in these semi-finals before. You've seen some. Sometimes you've seen the run-up to these semi-finals. Um, would you, if you were coaching Edinburgh, look at putting out the big guns against Glasgow look for momentum, or is it a case of? Lots of changes, rest the big guns, and and then come in maybe a bit colder. Yeah, there is that sort of you know do you, that, that sort of dilemma. Do you roll the dice a wee bit? Do you, do you rest certain players? Um, but you know there's still guys uh, like Jamie Ritchie and uh, Magnus Bradbury. I don't assume that there's any sort of long-term injuries with them or anything that's going to keep them out. They're probably going to need a wee bit of game time. Um, but obviously, you know the Edinburgh players the they won't want to get injured. Um, but if you go into these kind of things with that attitude, you're probably going to end up getting injured. It's kind of sod's law. Um, I, th- I think Edinburgh will... Well, Edinburgh have got strength and depth now, so I think you know they will give people game time. They'll give people a run out. Maybe someone who's... You know, the integral parts of the team, like Jaco van der Vault and um, Hamish Watson, they'll maybe just get 40 minutes. Um, but I, I don't think this will be... Blood and thunder. It won't be your your regular derby. I even think the Glasgow um, coaches. I don't think they've. I think they'll be treating both of these games as warm up matches to try and get the new system embedded in and all, and yeah. all that kind of thing. Yeah. So it was interesting. You you obviously mentioned uh, Jaco van der Waal. Um Second half performance in particular, Sandy. Um, very very impressive and obviously. Um, Scots qualified or about to be Scots qualified. Yeah. Um, I think I mean, it, 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 he really impressed me on uh, at the weekend, to be honest. And, and he and he does get he is somewhat underrated, I think, to be honest. It, it, he's not flashy in the same way that potentially some of our other choices are for you know for Scotland, as it turns out now. But he very rarely does an awful lot wrong. Um, uh, you know. He's physical enough. He's able. To, he's a, a decent tackler. He missed no tackles on Saturday. Um, he takes the ball up to the line. He's he's happy to carry. I mean, he doesn't have the. He doesn't seem to have the the the, the tricks that we may see from the from the uh, from the likes of Hastings and, and from Finn Russell at the time. But I, I think there's probably a good argument to have to say we should have somebody who does something slightly different and gets gets the basics just done 
really, really well. Um, I mean, the funny thing was we, we everybody was thinking there would be a lot of high balls at the weekend, um, uh, but kicks for hand for Edinburgh was actually less than it was for Glasgow. Um, so they, they did try and move the ball quite a wee bit. Uh, and I th- um, but I think, I think Jack was, I mean, I think they also said during the, the match commentary and it, when he was interviewed, he hadn't spoke English for four months. Could, wow. <laughs> he'd just been with his family. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, that in, it, that in itself coming back and remembering how to speak a language <laughs> that spoke for <laughs> such a long time, uh, you know, he, he certainly looked as if he wasn't rusty, that's for sure. Um, you, you know yourself, Sandy, that tens tend not to need to speak language. They just grunt uh, and grunt and shout a lot, and you don't really know what they're saying. You just kind of wave their hands. Ah, yeah. Oh, I think he means over there. It's fine. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think he did. So me and Ian were chatting during the game, and um, we were both kind of saying, you know, Hastings had had one of those Hastings games where he kind of he does he scores a try. You know, he looks, he makes a couple of breaks, he looks all right, but then he kind of has those moments where, you know, he flaps at a couple of tackles, misses a few easy kicks, and, you know, inconsistency from, yeah. from again, and I think we, we always, we always kind of, especially given that he started in the Six Nations, we, we forget that Hastings is a, is a young fly half. He's, yeah. you know, still less than 50 professional games. Um, he's, he's learning his trade very quickly, but he still has those days. But, Jaco in the second in the second half for me was was just exactly what what he brings to Edinburgh. It was, as you say, that consistency. And I guess coming to you, Ian, the the thing about the the kicking, it struck me that Glasgow's game plan. I uh, know, let's caveat this heavily. I don't want to go thermonuclear on this, but the game plan looked very different under Danny Wilson. Now it's first game back after a massive layoff. Should we be reading into it, or you know, is it is it too early? And the proof of the pudding will be next season. Yeah, I think it's too early. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of weird things going on, such as uh, Matt Fagerson playing open sides, uh, huge wounds at fifteen. I thought Fagerson open side might be a good idea, but um, oh, well, he's not Hamish Watson, is he? Uh, just, not 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 in Adamson's eyes, he's not. No, certainly not. Uh, yeah, that's, like I said, you know, I think that they're going to treat these as almost pre-season friendlies. Um, that's certainly how the tackling appealed to be. Um, but yeah, no, I also thought uh, not just Van der Vaught, but Groom, I thought he kicked a lot better. All of Price's box kicks, none of them, uh, the kick chase wasn't good, or they were too long. Whereas Edinburgh, you know, even if a Glasgow player took it, someone was on hand to rattle them as soon as he landed. Um, and Van der Vault utilised the cross kick very well. Um, so yeah, Edward definitely got the better hand, upper hand there. Um, I, 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 I didn't think Bryce had a good good game at all, to be fair. Um, what about you? We'll see you, John. I'd, I had, um, yeah, I, I'd seen that people were saying that Price had had a decent game. Obviously, it caused, um, he'd been kind of on top of Groom. Uh, causing him a bit of bother around the breakdown, try to hassle him a wee bit. But I, I thought I thought Price's basics were pretty poor. The ball ball seemed a lot slower. Um, he spent a lot of time directing forwards. Now, again, that's not a criticism of him necessarily. You know, if your shapes might not be there, and if he's not if he's not getting what he needs outside him, then 
you know, right, okay, slow the ball down. But as you said, his box kicking was, it, it, it just seems, it seemed like Scottish box kicking. <laughs> and what I mean by that is it was average. It didn't seem to serve a purpose other than we were kind of mechanically going through the, right, okay, I should box kick this now, as opposed to, I've got options here. Let's get the ball high. Let's get, you know, Seymour or uh, Tegivi challenging in the air um, or find some ground. There was, I think, I don't I don't remember a box kick from Glasgow finding the grass and, and getting any territory from it. So, um, yeah, Edinburgh, so I think, I think it's fair to say Edinburgh got the better of, I mean, all the key stats, Edinburgh were the better team. Uh, and I'll be interested to hear what you think in terms of, I think Glasgow were always going into this with a, a view that this was it was a pre-season. It was so unlikely that they would get the points and results they needed to even be in with a shot next week or in a couple of days' time. Um, Edinburgh, on the other hand, had a real target to aim for. And I think, and you might, might disagree here, Sandy, but it seemed like the conditioning of the players seemed to reflect those different kind of objectives. Yeah, no, I think so. And I mean, you're right. I mean, training for a pre-season is different for training for a semi-final, if you like. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And I think it also makes a difference is that you only had to watch Ulster play on Sunday to a side who really, they knew they were in, they were already qualified. And that extra, I don't know what you, but it's 5%, 10% wasn't there from Ulster because they, they were already they'd, they'd qualified. So um, Glasgow and, you know, I don't think anybody would have really taken the field thinking it was a realistic chance to qualify. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, it had to be stars had to align somewhat mysteriously for that to happen. So that that and I, that I think as well makes a big difference to when you when you step up to one of these matches that if you you've got something to play for, and it'll be interesting again. It'll be interesting this week to see whether um, when when nobody really got anything to play for, whether what that does to the game does that make it. Actually, maybe even a better game to watch, and we'll have a have a throw about with the ball and just have a bit of fun with it. Um, uh, or does it, you know, or does it degenerate into even more of a um, error laden uh, thing? To be honest, I mean, it was quite interesting because there wasn't a lot of penalties conceded tonight for either side um, for all the the big layoff. Um, and I thought it was I thought it was really good until I looked at. At uh, Ulster stats on Sunday, and they had conceded four penalties, and, were, and I thought, okay, that's not particularly encouraging. But um, I mean, I think Edinburgh had eight, and I think Glasgow had twelve or something. I can't remember off the top, but you know, there was wasn't a huge. Didn't think it was a huge number until I looked at Ulster's number, and I thought, okay, right, that's a bit worrying. <laughs> I think the last stat I seen, and I might, I know these stats tend to get revised up or down, but. I think I'd seen Glasgow were at 18 penalties. So, um, aye, and I mean, that's, you know, obviously teams aim for under 10, but, aye. you know. I was just thinking in the in terms of, I mean, Super Rugby, the first couple of games in the Super Rugby, there was like 30-odd penalties. Aye, yeah, yeah, yeah. Team, and yeah, I, yeah. I was expecting something very similar. And when it didn't, I was quite surprised. Maybe they've had the benefit of watching those and knowing what um, yeah. uh, what, what to expect from, from our local whistlers. So it probably segues quite nicely into our local whistler. So Mike Adamson, um, one minute for Glasgow as a professional player, uh, taking charge of, he's taking charge of quite a few of these 1872s now. 
Um, they mention it every time too, don't they? They do, yes, <laughs> yeah. they do. Yeah, both both sets of fans seem to have their own views on it as well. Glasgow think he's uh, he's preferring Edinburgh to to make it clear that he's got no no allegiances, and Edinburgh think he's uh, preferring Glasgow because he played a minute for them. It's you can never win in Scottish rugby, can you? No, um, and I don't, sports fans being unreasonable. Crazy talking, crazy talk. Um, so. Let's, let's talk about the Whistler. Uh, interpretation of the breakdown. Um, Ian's got his notes there. <laughs> I've actually got hee-haw written on this. Uh, um, like, it's time. Um, it's look busy. I, I, uh, personally, I thought his interpretation of the breakdown, he's obviously been given directives to speed up the whistle. Uh, I'm not sure how long that will last. Um, there was both teams were at it. I think Glasgow came off worse. Uh, Edinburgh adapted better. Um, but um, Ian, your your thoughts on Mister Adamson? It, well, according to the Pro Fourteen website, he's given eighteen penalties against Glasgow and thirteen against Edinburgh. Um, one of one of course is the, uh, the Stuart McAnally grabbing Hastings thing, which I don't think was a penalty. That's just a behave yourself, boys, back to the halfway line. Um, yeah, I thought there was maybe a couple. There was one particularly with Watson. He was very quick on the whistle. Um, the one he gave against Fagerson, I think just before Edinburgh took the lead, which I thought was harsh. He said that Fagerson wasn't supporting his weight, but it looked like he was. Um, but then there was one thing, like, I know they've been clamping down on uh, stuff, particularly relating to safety with the Jackler. Uh, but another thing about the breakdown, which kind of annoys us all, is scrum halves taking their goddamn time when they've called use it. Towards the end of the first half, he has yelled at Ali Price, use it, and it has been a full eight seconds of Ali yeah. stuff. I mean, obviously, you know, he's, he's going to try and milk it because it was just before half time. But I was like, even myself as a Glasgow fan, I'm screaming at him, hurry up and use it. This is just boring the hell out of us. Um, so that's, you know, that's one area of the game I would like to see sped up. Um but, you know, it's obviously these are all down to interpretations. I think a couple are a bit dodgy, but an Edinburgh fan will probably say they were absolutely fine. Um, it is what it is. Sandy? Almost, yeah, I mean, Ian, I mean, I, not having a chance to rewatch it, I had no problem with anything really that he did. But you would expect me to say that when you win the game. You, know, I, 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 you generally only moan about them when you've, when you've lost, and I, I don't remember. Ian, again, he's spot on. The, the thing with the scrum house is just boring as hell. Um, it's actually more boring than scrum resets, to be honest, and, and those are boring in themselves. Um, but I, I don't, I don't have any problem with, uh, and I generally don't as a referee. Um, I'm happy to see him. Uh, I mean, it's you know, there's there are one or two others that I would prefer not to see before. Uh, so, so Mr. Adamson, to be honest, it's. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I was fine with No, that's very valid points. Um, I think I think from uh, from my side, the the biggest issue uh, Glasgow had uh, was so. Ian touched on the the Watson was very clever, and you would expect that from from Watson. He's a very 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 sensible player, and he to your point about watching what had happened in Super Rugby, you could clearly see he's interpreted the new rules very well. And 
referees are not so the second man in even though he's part of the tackle the the guy hasn't been tackled yet he hasn't reached the ground the second man in who is coming in making contact and bringing the person to the ground is not being penalised as the tackler so you can go straight over the ball and Watson done that three times during the game and it was clearly a tactic he's standing right behind the tackler ready to go the tackle's made, it slows the man down, he then uses his weight, drags him down, and straight over. And if he can do that for Scotland, I'll be absolutely delirious. I'll be so happy. Um, at the weekend, it was frustrating because you're like, he's not releasing. And, you know, you watch it back, and you're like, no, there's there's absolutely no release. Um, it's not even close. Um, but Glasgow, again, didn't they didn't adapt to that. And there was, there was so many times where, like, so the, the two tactics teams have used is you either jackal or you counter ruck and that's what teams have been doing since they've come back and Glasgow done neither they they spread out and let Edinburgh have the ball and then you know kind of got smashed by them it was um it just didn't seem very ah, didn't seem very sensible yeah and it, I think you're right because watching some of the other games teams have taken the ball into contact it's looked as if they've won it only for the referee to give the penalty to the other side. So there does, which a lot of the time you're looking at now and it's hard to see why that's happened. So, you know, perhaps it would be a better argument for more competition at the breakdown, um, given that it seems on the face of it a bit of a lottery. So let's let's finish off on a positive then from, from the game. Uh, Ian, it's not all doom and gloom for Glasgow. So, um any positives to take away? No, it's all doom and gloom. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, I thought Hugh Jones was pretty decent. Um, I thought he swept up quite well. Uh, never really had to make any one-on-one tackles. Kicked decently. Um, there was one kick which I don't know, a few sort of phases later ended up leading to an Edinburgh try. Um, he could maybe have done better with that, but I mean, it was it was off turnover ball in Glasgow's own 22, so we just sort of leathered it to see what would happen, didn't quite find touch. Um, but other than that, I thought he was all right. Uh, Richie Gray defensively, I thought he was he was solid. He got he got around the park decently. Um, he got pinged for flopping onto a rock at one point, though, so he's going to have to really adapt that. That's been his sort of strategy of the last few years. Like, I'm six foot ten. <laughs> um, but yeah, those things were all right. Uh, Xander Fragerson, as per usual, uh, you know, he was one of the top carriers. I mean, Sutherland had a good B battle. Um, I think he, had, he had probably had the better Sutherland once or twice. Definitely got one, the first penalty. First uh, then, one, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Then Schumann came on and, uh, well, there was, I mean, Chris Patterson and Jim Hamlet, I think they both thought one that went Schumann's way was a wee bit contentious. Um, but no, he's, his development um, continues. Uh, I mean, you know what? Sorry, can I, you know you said end on a positive. No, I'm bringing it back down. Um, <laughs> that is a hell of a lot of missed tackles from Glasgow. Um, yeah, you're looking at 89% tackle success. Uh, this is if you're thinking, see the Pro 14 stats and the ESPN stats, there's quite a big discrepancy. Because um, the Pro 14 stats, they've got Glasgow missing 18 tackles. So that's uh, to give them a sort of 89% success rate. But on ESPN, it's got them missing 29, which makes it an 83%. That's um, because the, the Pro 14 stats are based on the Premier Sports coverage, so it was glitching, so it's counting as two, <laughs> two missed tackles. Uh, that'll be it, yeah. Um, 
but as well, like as you know, Sandy's quiz last week, I'd um, had a wee look on that, and Glasgow's tackle success um, rate for the entire season is eighty six percent, and that's not good enough. Um, the line out is honking. The line out, we've got the second worst line out in the league, apparently. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some work ons. I think Mac and Ali and the gang were doing their best to kind of try and they were doing a hold my beer moment at the weekend for for that one, Sandy. Um, doing their best to kind of lose as much as possible and give Glasgow ball. But for you, obviously, very happy, but plenty, plenty of positives to take forward. What was the what was the big takeaways for you? Um, the second half second half performance, which is again that's been something that's been uh, typical throughout this elongated, truncated season, whatever way you want to look at it. I mean, uh, uh, I had a look at it. Somebody, somebody had said the last five games we had conceded hardly any points in the second half. And I just thought, well, I wonder what it's been in the whole season. And you're talking about um, a nine points in the second half in all games this season. So that's, I mean, that's quite a, quite a success. Um, I was, again, I'm impressed that, that there wasn't that much Kicking from hand, they tried to do more with the ball and use the back. I mean, it was it was a bit of a surprise. I think I, I, think I texted you guys in the first half to say that that I because I had bet on Duhan to score a hat trick, but That's right, yeah. halfway through the first half, I don't think he touched the ball three times. Uh, but when he did, it was pretty um, um, a, um, had a big impact on the, the destination of the of the game. So, um, Jacko, I've already mentioned. I think he's. You know, looks really good. Um, really, that, that's what I'd written. So just the, the second half thing, I think it's a big thing for me, is that um, they look fit and they were able to sustain it. And the bench now looks pretty strong. I mean, if you when you've got either Sutherland or Skewman to come off the bench for a, for a loose head, that's pretty, pretty good stuff. And it looks as if they've got that working the right way around. A bit light. Bit light in the second row in terms of injuries, and um, the the I think it's the, the big interest for me this weekend is, um, you know, probably don't want to play Jacko because, you know, he's our only first team uh, standoff. But then if you play Chamberlain and he's injured, then who do you put on the bench for the next game? It's it's a a, a huge dilemma, and I'll be tuning in for the uh, team selection. Um, King, King Horn to 10. Well, that's, I mean, to be fair, that's the other one because we don't, there's not a full, we've got Hoyland as a fullback, but uh, I've never seen any announcement, but there was a picture of him on Instagram in the changing room on Saturday with a, with a moon boot on. So oh. he's obviously um, done something. Um, it's generally not something that disappears overnight. So, um, so, you know, we don't really have an awful lot of choices at fullback either, unless, uh, unless, uh, uh, Darcy's fit and I don't know about that either so Do you think there would be like a full-blown riot across the Irish Sea if um, let's say like you said you know you're a bit short on tens and locks if Glasgow just had short-term loan deals to Edinburgh to help them win the <laughs> first team <laughs> but, I mean they'd, they'd that would be, have it, Hastings Yeah lovely they, I mean they've, they've done it because we I'm trying to remember who it was there was a guy who was with Glasgow was ended up at London Scottish and then came back to Edinburgh on a short-term loan, I think midway through last season when there was a back row crisis. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, I don't care. He, he was on the bench once for Edinburgh 
and then went back to London Scottish. But it was one of these ones you think, surely you just can't borrow somebody in the middle of the season, but they did. Um, so, it, but, but I think they they might call foul on that, but oh, I'm it sure they've done worse. It would be worth it though, wouldn't it? Oh, it would oh, be God. so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I could get on board with that. I, I would be fine with that. But uh, yeah, that's uh, one one way that. So I guess we'll finish up on this um, semi final to come, Sandy. Um, fairly confident, I would imagine. De- decent side you're against, but should if you play well, get the better of them. Yeah, I mean it. it it's certainly in the balance and it's eminently winnable. Ulster have been a quite a difficult side for us in recent years. Three three wins out of the last ten. It's not, you know, but the games have all been pretty close. You know, last minute, a couple of last minute penalties. One we won by last minute penalty and then lost another one to the uh, to the boot of uh, um, the Ulster scrum half, John Cooney. Cooney. So, Cooney, um, uh, Cooney I, yeah. So, yeah. But at home, I fancy us to win that, uh, as long as as long as they keep the heat. Was that a dodgy Ben Whitehouse moment? The, I think at the start of the season, wasn't it? For the 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 yeah, uh, no, yeah. it wasn't Whitehouse. It was. Um, oh no, it was the South African one, wasn't it? Aye, uh, Berry, Nick Berry. Aye, Nick Berry. Aye. He he told it was Henry. I think it was playing, and he told them to use it. It was a it was a mall, and he said he said once, and then they were still moving forward a wee bit, and obviously expecting to hear twice, and instead he just blew up and said you did it had stopped and you hadn't used it, and it was in the dying seconds of the game. Ulster got the ball and ended up scoring, so it was a bit uh, um, a bit galling, but that's the way it goes. And I guess Ian, if we're looking for. Um any inspiration for, for Edinburgh? Oh, has Andy's just decided to leave? Just, just that. It's Mike, Mike dropped and he's off. <laughs> well, I, thought the, I thought you might hear the dishwasher, so I turned it off. Oh, right. <laughs> we, we thought you were just like, inspiration? We don't need inspiration. We don't need uh, no. So looking for inspiration for uh, semi-final wins against Ulster. Um, we've obviously, we've got a, a few memories of that over this end of the M8, so... Uh, hopefully, hopefully, Ed, and you will hear me say this. Hopefully, Edinburgh will be able to do it, even though I predicted, uh, like, I, I, my Nostradamus streak the other week. There, I will be firmly going into reverse gear uh, with that in due course. But um, I do hope, I hope Edinburgh do it because we don't really like Ulster, to be honest. And uh, that John, that heart didn't it? That really hurt. <laughs> I know I'm gonna to have to I'm gonna to have to take a pause this and go 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 for a wee cry in the corner now. Every no. every word was dragged, <laughs> kicking and kicking. screaming, <laughs> and Hugh Jones would have caught them. It's <laughs> I don't buy Cocker saying that Edinburgh, the you know the, the least fancy of the four teams. I reckon they can be Ulster. Yeah. I mean, Leinster are obviously the favourites, but you look at the you know the season as it. As, as the table stands, Edinburgh get the second best record. They've only lost three games all season. Yeah. Um, home advantage, and you know, Cockers has got them playing particularly well. Um, you know, like he was saying last week, yes, it was always up structured and that, and you'd expect 
that from a guy who used to you know, be with Leicester and their famed sort of forward pack. So you'd expect a guy to come from that and be all about, you know, set piece precision, power up front. But um, like you said, you know, they've really developed their game and in the back three, they've got um, real threats everywhere. Um, so I think they've got a chance. I mean, that's like the game on Saturday. I was thinking, see if that was like three years ago, the roles probably would have been reversed because Glasgow had like a fully informed Tommy Seymour, Stuart Hogg. Um, you know, they're, they're the ones who can do that little game breaking bit of magic, but uh, it was Doohan this time. Um, so, yeah, King Horn as well had a good game, like I said. He said, you know, he made plenty of metres. Uh, so there's there's real potent attacking threats. And I thought Dean and Bennett had really good games as well. Um, you know, Mark Bennett, it was very sad to see him leave Glasgow. And if you try and tell me that Nick Gregg's a better player than Mark Bennett, I think you're an idiot. <laughs> no, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> uh, so, a couple of shout-outs on Facebook. Uh, we've got a couple of people with us tonight. Hi, everyone who's uh, tuned in. As as I said that, um, six people apparently left. So, uh, cheers. <laughs> um, Andy Lone has been uh, dropping some comments. Nice try from Sam Hidalgo Klein for Exeter tonight. Uh, do we think he's caught the eye? Uh, we've went with eye and then two wee eyes. Good, I like it. Uh, of Scotland selectors for November. What, what do we think, boys? Um, I've not been able to watch it because my girlfriend took my tablet. Uh, but, you know, Scrum Half isn't an area we're short on players. But if he's if he shows good form, you know, he's been, he might be a sort of mercenary that goes walking about like the little hobo. But he's been, play, <laughs> he's been playing with top quality teams. Um, so, you know, he's probably picked up a few wee tricks. And if he can, you know, get himself a regular spot uh, in that exit, or, you know, ch- probably going to be champions. Uh, with the English Premier League, you know, that's uh, that's another string to his bow, so there's, there's there's a chance, you know, Burgos isn't getting any younger. Sandy, you'll be batting off the we should have kept him brigade, eh? Yeah, I mean, I knew, I knew tonight we would, it would, wouldn't would take long before somebody had said it. I'm, I, I, don't get me wrong, I like the guy, I think he's got talent, he definitely does, and probably through one of the best dummies I've ever seen uh, a scrum half do a game against Scarlets for Edinburgh before he left, but I've always had the sneaking suspicion that he's somebody who's great at the start of a contract and also great at the end of a contract and not so good in the middle. Um, um, and it's only when he's needing, you know, footage for his highlights reel for his next his next move that, that, that you really see the best of him. I, I'm maybe being a bit harsh on the guy, but it just, it just, I mean, you don't have that many clubs in such a short space of time. Um, if if people are thinking you're definitely worth keeping. Although, you know, Rob Baxter doesn't seem to be like a, a daft man by any manner of means. So hopefully he, he can manage him in a way that we get that consistent guy that we saw those years ago. And uh, and maybe he'll be back if that's the case. I mean, I think I said that in my, my piece on the um, the Scottish players in the uh, in the English league at the start of the, uh, the, the, re, the restart. So I, I, I wish him well. I'm not convinced. Yeah, I think that. I think that's fair. I, I think he, you're absolutely right. He's a player who has form fluctuates a lot, and it's not a position we're light on. If he if he was a ten, he would be in the reckoning. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, so other other comment we've had Mark Anderson sort of in. Um, in response to comment about maybe Glasgow being a wee bit more. Um, 
let's say, less fluid in attack. That's that's the euphemistic way that I'll put it. He uh, says, honestly, I think this is the end of Glasgow showboating, but hopefully once the gel, we'll see more solid, yet perhaps more sterile performances. Do you think the Scotston massive, Ian, will accept that? If it gets results, yes. Because um, that's, at the end of the day, that's what you're after, you know, uh, a win's a win and all that. Uh, but that was uh, one of the stats I'd seen I think Glasgow only threw two offloads. Obviously, we've got big Leone coming back, so that's going to that, be... That'll change. <laughs> yeah, that's like times that by about 40 um, <laughs> per match. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that, that midfield doesn't exactly... I mean, Horn and Craig... And I'm, I'm not one of the Pete Horn hating brigade. I like Pete Horn. He does a... You know, his work rate's excellent. He's usually a decent distributor when he's not throwing intercepts. Um, and, you know, he's, he's quite a smart player and he's, he's always been good foil for the likes of Finn Russell. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Danny Wilson got Cardiff for quite an interesting attacking team when he was he was down there. So I don't know if... It, I don't think it'll be Tooney Madness. Um, but I don't, I don't know if, if it will be sterile as such. But I, I do think it will maybe toned down a wee bit. But that's only simply because we don't have the top class world quality players anymore. That's it. You can only play the game with what what you, what you have. Yeah. So shall we move on? Uh, unless anyone has anything else to add about the weekend, this is your last chance to have a brag, Sandy. So no, I've, I'll let the team say it all. Let the team say it all. Well done. That's very, very dignified of you. And that big Jesus says it all. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, moving on to, sorry, I'm just digging for the text here. Moving on to, we had a couple of, a couple of absolute belters for Where's Doogie Donnelly. Now, since we found Doogie at the big club dinner, he's obviously been, uh, you know, there's been less, less chat about trying to find folk, but we had, uh, we had one on match day, um, a certain Richard Cockrell. Uh, so this was uh, Maureen uh, sent this in, uh, tagged Cami on Twitter, it looks like, and said, just seen Richard Cockrell at uh, Brunsfield in Edinburgh. He was carrying a t- Tesco bag and looked like he'd been to Greg's for a cup of something and a chocolate cake slash muffin, which he was eating while walking down the road, obviously in training for later today. So that, that to me is an absolute belter of a where's Doogie Donnelly. The mundane detail in there is superb. And it got us thinking um, about other potential orders. So we're thinking about Greg's is open now. Uh, it's been open for a wee while. Everyone missed Mr. Greg's when it was locked down. What would our players' orders be? at Greg's. Now, we've had a few sort of mad suggestions for Finn. Um, one one on Twitter, um, there was uh, Alan and uh, Rona were going back and forward about whether he would get Diet Lucasade and three or six uh, donuts. Um, you guys get any? You, have you have prepared? Have you done your homework? Read not. Um, I'd, I'd said Finn it would be three, dudge, three fudge donuts, a pack of hula hoops and a Lucasade zero. Just so he has, he avoids the sugar tax. Um, Pierre Schumann would probably just get like forty steak bakes. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that would be fine. I mean, that's that's like it's like a decent hangover cure, really, isn't it? Can't go that's, wrong with steak bake. I'd rather steak bake on Saturday. I don't, 
it's great. I don't even need to make it up, but I did see Alan Jacobson eating a steak bake for Greg's not that long ago. So that was a he, actual he genuine should, one. He should be the poster boy of Greg's, really. Like he he could properly stand stand up. So in Scotland, you know, if you were to do a regionalised marketing campaign in and around Edinburgh, you would just have big big chunk with a steak bake just going. Greg's mate. And a spanner on the other hand. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we also had another Where's Dougie Donnelly. Um, we had uh, Johnny Rowe. Uh, got in touch, tagged tagged us on Twitter, saying he had spied big, big Zanbags himself, Xander Fagerson, in Tesco in Maryhill early on Sunday morning. He's now, getting a lot of free advertising. Here. Indeed, yeah. Johnny, we need to know how early on a Sunday morning. This really does change the story, but, you know, it's important. Uh, not, not able to ascertain his shopping habits post-1872, but can confirm he observes polite zebra-crossing etiquette in his huge Mercedes. So, again, plenty of, um, plenty of really good detail in there. Personally, I would like to know how early on a Sunday, because, you know... These these pro athletes they are in their bed really early at night. You know, was it was it a was it a hangover dash? Was it a you know you're in fat camp? Who knows? Or has Xander been out all night at the dancing? Has Xander been out all night having a party? Aye. Who knows? I'm dancing when he's handbag. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> apparently Xander's a big quiet boy. I don't think there's any chance he'll be out partying. Um, so if there's Always any, the ones you least expect. Uh, so, uh, obviously, we're talking about Greg's, but obviously going back to Greg and his party days. Um, yeah. So, if anyone does have footage of Xander out at the dancing uh, on Saturday night, <laughs> please uh, send it through. Uh, otherwise, we will assume that he's uh, he was spending the night in reading a romantic novel. Uh, with. Am I right in saying he plays a weird instrument as well? Because Cammy, Cammy plays tuba or something, doesn't he? And I think then does that, or is it Xander's brother? I think it's is it Xander's brother is plays a, he's a musician. I'm no I'm no making this up. I'm fairly sure Cam said this. Right. Um I think he's music his brother's a musician, but um maybe maybe they were having a wee night and listening to the classical tunes, getting getting prepared for the proms. I know he plays uh he plays PlayStation. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I see no one's on Twitter really. I, I don't think that's the, I don't think it's the same thing. Either. The Last of Us has a uh, The Last of Us Part Two has a bit you can play guitar. So there you oh, go. there you go. Yeah, well, I am rubbish at it. <laughs> I've completed it, the game, but yeah, I skipped that. But just went go kill. The only, the only reason you're rubbish at it is because you're trying to do Hillstone uh, <laughs> riffs on it. Uh, so suggestions for the for the for the Greg's order, we had uh, Michael was in touch saying Tuna is definitely a sausage bean and cheese melt doesn't like the classics so tries to go off the wall uh, which I think is a pretty pretty good effort um, yeah so moving onwards I suppose um, since Adam Hastings no sugar you know damage no, those teeth you, those teeth are magnificent the, the, those are teeth that I aspire to absolute absolute glimmers so uh, I mean that's that on you go, Sandy. As we said, is that not teeth that you would get at Aspire? Well, yes, ah, of course. Very good. Yes, uh, and uh, 
yes, we, we should probably confirm we are not. We're, we're always always in the, the market for some sponsorship if they want to come our way, but um, we are uh, not currently endorsing uh, Tesco or any other supermarket or well, Aspire. Well, as I was uh, talking about sponsors, it was uh, brought to my attention today that um, Mr. Uh, Jim Hamilton's podcast now has a gentleman's uh, grooming kit that's their, as their main sponsor for grooming your, not for your face, but I'm sure you can imagine. So their, their, oh. their big sponsor now is, yeah. I mean, I've seen, I've seen the, um, have you seen the back shaving device? Have you seen that? It's <laughs> no. like, oh man, it's kind of like, as you can imagine, it's like, but it's on a sort of like all spring mounted kind of blade so that you can get into all the nooks and crannies. <laughs> I mean, this this pops up <laughs> in my Instagram feed all the time. I hardly ever go on Instagram, but every time they're like, "Mate, you seem like the kind of guy with a pure hairy back," which is accurate. Is this um, another one of your weird, uh, your weird wish suggestions? My weird wish things: a uh, seventeen-string bass guitar. <laughs> and there is the. That's not the strangest one. Let's be no, honest. No, no, there was the one no, before no. that. We'll, uh, keep, we'll keep this PC. We'll keep this PC. No, that's for the Patreons only. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Um, so, I suppose, um, yeah, we're, we're gabbing enough rubbish here, so uh, let's move on, and um, we'll, we'll go hands in the ruck now, finish up, so our any other business section. I really pity anyone that stumbled upon this podcast as the first time they've, <laughs> <laughs> first time they've come to us. Um, hands in the ruck. Um, our divine overlord himself has got in touch. Uh, with some hands in the ruck. He says, I picked the wrong week not to do the podcast. Here's my hands in the ruck. Um, so I'll go through these in, one at a time. There's <laughs> Alphabetical a- order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bad when you have to load a message in a database form <laughs> to, to, to get what you need to. So I, actually, I saw some of this on Twitter earlier on, but um, so Irish rugby have used female models instead of the women's players for the women's shirts, but obviously have used Conor Murray et al. for the men's shirts. Um, Cammy said the models are more likely paid more than the women players. Uh, also, the idiots who have replied to Rona Lloyd commenting this saying uh, women rugby players won't shift shirts, so they use models instead. In fairness, the SRU do use women players. Um, not a great look for the, the Irish rugby. Um, well, in Canterbury's defence, um, Canterbury did reply pretty quickly. They've said that production on jerseys was halted due to the pandemic, and then they've had problem booking in, sort of, uh, being able to arrange a photo shoot. Um, although somebody did point out, could you not just have photoshopped the uh, oh. shirt strips on? Um, so you know, I think Canterbury have come out and said this. So I'll, I'll take them on their word for face value there. But they'd better sort it. I think you know if there isn't, as with post haste, you know, um, an Irish women's rugby team uh, players wearing the new shirt uh, as part of a promotional campaign, then you're a bunch of liars. The thing for me, seeing the picture earlier on, it was all, so. The women, or the the models within the shirts, the obviously are not rugby players, so they don't look like rugby players. And it kind of looked like a kid's team with those shirts kind of draped over them a wee bit. You know, like the wee guy's got a shirt that's too big for him. Um, yeah, they were uniform model shape, shall we say, yes. rather than, you know, the, the various body shapes that you can get in yeah. rugby. So, 
Yeah, I think it's worth noting as well that various people have replied to that thread pointing out, obviously, as I said, the SRU do use the women's team to model the women's kits. Makes sense. The English English do the same, as do the Welsh. So, um, you know, if there's kits getting released um, after this point, I would imagine that the marketing teams will be making sure that uh, the the international athletes who fill those jerseys are put front and centre as they rightly should be. Um, and God help them if they Photoshop any of it as well. Yes, yes. Well, it's 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 quite disappointing, Sandy, isn't it? That yeah. we're still still having to have this conversation. I mean, it, it is. It's just to be honest, when you when you put it in the context of all the other home nations using the actual rugby players, it's kind of indefensible, really. It's just it doesn't. You don't. I mean, as Ian says, well, we'll let Canterbury if they. If they genuinely have had an issue and they want to put it right, as long as they put it right, hopefully that will be a, an outcome that uh, prevents us from happening ever again. Absolutely. So, so let's move on to Cam's part two, shall two. we? Uh, part two. Two of, two of three slash four. Um, so, um, Courtney Laws claiming his free speech is being infringed on rugby pass. Uh, this thus exercising his right to free speech on the biggest rugby news site in the world. He then claimed he lost sponsorship work due to his views, uh, which is, I can't repeat that, Cammy, come on, uh, to do with free speech and more to do with him not wanting to accept any consequences of free speech like companies he works for exercising their free speech to tell him to, and I'll, I'll paraphrase here, to go away. Um, yes, Courtney Laws um, has not come out of lockdown looking very good, has he? Um, I, uh, to be honest, I, not that I had thought a great deal about Courtney Laws before, but when he came out with this thing about um, how poor people shouldn't have children, um, the, the, uh, I, he kind of nosedived even below that, to be honest, in my, my estimations. Uh, and it kind, of, it kind of falls back on what I was saying last week about rugby players from their, in their mansions casting aspersions on how everybody else is. You know, I just... It's not a good look, to be honest. And when you're defended by, you know, people like Andy Good, that's not a good look as well. You know, I don't think, to be honest to you. Um, uh, but it's, it's just, uh, you know, I think I had a comment saying he's on the biggest, one of the biggest rugby websites in the world, talking about how he's not got a platform. <laughs> not really buying it, yep. to be honest. Should, should, should come on this podcast and speak to us. Yeah. Well, yeah. he, he was on the rugby pod with uh, Jim Hamilton. I think that's where this came from, the rugby pass article. So, you know, he's, yeah. on, a pod, he's on a very popular podcast. And like you said, he's on like the most well-read uh, rugby news site in the entire world. I like, oh, I'm getting, you know, people are shouting me down. You're, you've been given a, an opportunity to speak. You've spoken. And it just so turns out a lot of people think you're a bit of a Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. And uh, so my, my kind of thoughts on this... And there's maybe a niche for us here, guys. So you you'll thank me for this afterwards. But there's obviously a lack of proper management of certain types of rugby player. Um, Courtney was being the most uh, the latest high profile profile example of it. Players. A lot of players seem to um, forget that the, what they, 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 they speak their mind and they say what they think about a range of issues, a range of social issues in a lot of, uh, a lot of cases. Uh, 
and they forget the privileged position they have as professional sports people. We pay them to, or they get paid to play sport. They don't get paid to pass judgment on the rest of the world. And I think their management need to be having a word with them and reminding them of that. And according to laws, if he's not getting um, social media managed just now, certainly some of the things he said over the lockdown period, uh, if I was a sponsor or someone who's financially involved in a team that Courtney Lawless plays for, I would certainly be suggesting that perhaps that might be an idea because it doesn't do, you know, it's similar to, I think this actually, if I'm right, this kind of, yeah, it sort of touches on Cammy's third point, but we'll come, come to that. It's similar again to your Exeter Chiefs stuff. It's just in terms of the actual, you know, there's no rug, there's no money in rugby normally and there's no no money in rugby right now so marketing and branding and making sure that you are promoting a positive image is so important and people i don't know people just seem to be not taking it seriously um and that's that's what the, the quantity was thing I, I i remember seeing the comment that you mentioned sandy and being absolutely aghast that a person who has represented his country and who is essentially a, a role model for thousands of kids uh, down south, that he would say things like that. It's disgraceful. It's not, you know, I mean, I sometimes wonder, it's not even the fact that he's, they hold such weird views. It's the fact that he doesn't realise that expressing them will cause a furore. Yep. You know, and that, that, it's like a lack of self-awareness a wee bit. I mean, I don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I don't mind people, it's a bit like um, folks saying to, to uh, uh, singers and bands, shut up and sing. You know, if you want to express an opinion, express an opinion, but don't expect if it's a weird opinion that nobody's going to pick you up on it. It's just not going to happen. You've got to expect to, to, take, the, to, to take the brick bats if, you, if you're happy to dish it out, you know. It's, or, or, did we, did, or did he just expect us to go, you know what, Courtney, you're absolutely spot on, mate. And, and leave it alone. Uh, bang on, pal. Now, this is the thing, like, if he's moaning about losing sponsors, that's because you're not meeting their brand values, whatever uh, companies yeah. it is, right? See if that's the case, go and find a company that does want to sponsor you who will be right behind you. So you're probably going to get the Daily Mail and the Express, and that's about it. Uh, and, 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 and Jim Hamilton's new, 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 new mob. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the male grooming kit. So I'll be <laughs> you, you'll be sorted. <laughs> um, so let's let's um, Cam Cam's got one more, but I'll kind of combine these two. So we'll we'll give you one just now, Ian. So you got your hands on the rock menshi today. Uh, I've not used the term menshi in ages. So that felt really good. That felt <laughs> really good. Um, you back got your roots. Back to my roots. Are you menshi, mate? From uh, Rhiannon. Uh, again oh. on Twitter, you get a wee hands in the ruck shout out. So the Muppet, who's just implied, uh, I'm, I'm reading this word for word, this is not my views, um, although it probably is. Uh, the Muppet, who's just implied that Ian's not a big enough Glasgow fan because if he were, he would want to travel to Edinburgh and risk spreading COVID-19 because that's what true fans do. Star, silent, screaming star. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the whole ticket situation for... So, obviously, we, we didn't touch on it in the news, but um, Glasgow, Glasgow Edinburgh this uh, Friday night is going to be a test event for the return of fans to Stadia. We expect there to be around about 700 supporters allowed into the ground. Um, 
the guidance that's been issued from Edinburgh and the SRU is that it will be season ticket holders. Thanks for that, Ian. Uh, season ticket holders um, with a priority given to those who are closest to Murrayfield to minimise public transport. Obviously, I think a number of us have said, had said at the beginning of all this stuff kicking off that when supporters do return to Stadia, it was never going to be at full capacity and there was always going to be issues with that um, and that we really hoped that people wouldn't go down the route of being a Roman poat about it. Um, and and this is actually my hands in the I, I think people are just being so ridiculous. People, I get people want to go to rugby, right? You want to go to games, you want to go and see your, your heroes live in a stadium with 699 other people in the cavernous 67,000 stadium. It's going to be a bit rubbish. I'm just telling you now. Um, the atmosphere, you know, 700 people in that stadium is not going to create an atmosphere. Sorry to tell you that. It's um, not when you're like, you know, there's 40 over there and then another 50. Yeah, there. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the Mexican wave alone is not going to be very good. <laughs> Um, uh, I think what, like the the gentleman that Rona, uh, sorry, Rhiannon is um, alluding to, he seemed to take major of the fact that I said, well, it's a test event, you know, with 1.1% capacity for what is essentially a meaningless game. Um, and this is the deadest of dead rubbers. Uh, he, he was like, well, it might be meaningless to you, but it's not meaningless to a lot of Warriors fans. Well, it's meaningless to the club because it's going to make a hee-haw difference to your final league standing. <laughs> It's not going to do anything. It is a knock. Like I said, it's a pre-season friendly, basically, is what it yeah. is. It is it is meaningless. It's as pointless a match as you're going to get. The only reason they put these matches on is probably to meet some kind of premier sports deal. Aye, like, we, we must have played deal. some yeah, so, a certain number, number of games. Yep, absolutely. Aye, and also to get players fit for the semi-finals. You know, these. That's what these. I mean. Or to get the Irish clubs into the semi-finals. Aye. Well, I mean, from the from the outset, I mean, like Glasgow, but we had, like Sandy said, you know, we we were relying on a sort of series of miracles in order to get through. We were going to have to beat Edinburgh twice with bonus points and hope that Ulster didn't claim a single bonus point whatsoever. And I think there was points difference as well. Yep, possibly yeah. coming to it. So aye, so we knew these were just knock-up games. Um, and it is meaningless, and if that doesn't make me a true Warriors fan, then so be it. Well said, well said. <laughs> oh, I, I'll apologise in advance for uh, for anyone that's viewing this badge. <laughs> See, I waited for the wee yellow square to go off before I did that. So, <laughs> uh, fair, fair enough, See? fair enough. My, it's like you've been practising. So, um yeah, Sandy. Um, obviously, the other side of the 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 MA, you will you will get a few people in. Um, yeah. Has there been the same level of ridiculousness from from your uh, side of things? There has in part. Yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot. I've seen a lot of folk complaining that 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 they had given up. They had given up the last portion of their season ticket. Um, to support the club, um, and uh, whilst they've had the email to apply for tickets, they feel they should be getting it for nothing. Um, I mean, I've, I'm in the draw, uh, and we'll see what happens. If I get a uh, ticket, it's great. 
I'm not going to lose any sleep over it um, because um, it's not. I don't see it being any better against Ulster. In fact, there might not be anybody against Ulster because this is a. I mean, they made it quite clear this is a test event. It's not a sliding scale. Next week we'll have 1,400. The week after that we'll have 2,800. It's that's not, or at least it's not the plan at the moment. Um, so it's you, you know, had somebody said you know. I'm I'm going to wait to apply for the game via Ulster, and I think well, you might be you might be a wee bit out of luck because I don't think there's going to be any of that. Um, I think it's crazy to get yourself wound, uh, wound up. I mean, it it's odd because this is obviously for Edinburgh. This is on one hand, it's the probably potentially going to be their their best ever season. Well, it is their best ever season, um, and and then on the other hand, you're not going to get to see very much of it in, in the way you would want to. Um, but potentially wouldn't have been there if it hadn't been for the way that this happened because there were still a lot of games to be played. Um, and if, you know, if the season had gone on for the right length, perhaps we would have fallen away. So you've got to take take it with a pinch of salt and just enjoy it in the, whatever way you can, I think. Um, I, won't, I won't be bothered if we win it and I've not managed to be there. I'll, I'll still be delighted. I won't be bothered that it's been a truncated version. I'll still be delighted and I'll still be waving my hands in the air in a very un-Edinburgh light way. Um, <laughs> but, so I, I, I don't see the point. I just don't see the point in getting yourself wound up because it was always going to, they were never going to get it right for everybody. There are plenty of good Edinburgh fans who don't stay in Edinburgh. I'm not one. I mean, I don't stay in the city itself. So perhaps even my postcode's not going to, not going to do the trick when it comes right down to it. But we'll shall see. We shall see. Just, I would just like to add, you know, that um, me and John, if you do when the, the Pro 14, we'll be like, put an asterisk beside it, tainted title, mate. <laughs> and I'll just be showing you a picture of the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> as it rightly should be, as it rightly should be. So, uh, so Cam, Cam's final point, uh, I'll, I'll kind of, he's, he's, he's getting bothered about us still going on. He's got a cheek. We quite regularly go on for absolutely ages. Um, you don't have to edit this cam it's perfect the way it is raw and uncut like it should be um, Cam just Cam's like left. how John likes his cocaine <laughs> <laughs> and there Alleg- it is alleged, there we allegedly. Have, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly and there we go there's the editing that he now needs to do <laughs> um, Cam's final point was um, and I think you were involved in this uh, this as well Ian there was a, a bit of a rammy regarding the whole Black Lives Matter and the um, the kind of show of unity at the start of the game and people suggesting that we don't have a racism problem in Scottish rugby, we don't have racism in Scotland, that's an American thing. So why are players standing in a circle at kickoff? Um, I don't think we need to dignify this too much with any sort of airtime other than get back under your rock and go 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 just go follow another sport like genuinely it's if that's your attitude i i just i find it hard to fathom anyone who thinks that scotland doesn't have a racism problem uh, is actually somewhere else frankly um, that's such a silly thing to say. I mean, there was a Hoyt player banned in February for racial abuse. Um, you know, there's the, I can't remember who's on it, the B, you know, BT Sport are doing a sort of ident thing about yep. racism. It's got Ugo Moni and stuff. You know, and, and then there's people going, I don't think there's any racism in rugby at all. What's going on here? 
maybe look on the internet. <laughs> you, know, <there's, laughs> yeah. you know what newspapers and stuff are? I, no, there's, I mean, it's, it's there's, there's, there is it? racism in every walk of life, right? So, you know, we all know this. But if you don't think it's in rugby, then you, like you said, you're living under a rock. You know, there's examples there. I mean, if you look here on Rugby Pass at any article about see a Khaleesi, for example, you will just see absolute hateful nonsense from the All Lives Matter crowd under there. Um, so, you know, there is racism. I mean, for Christ's sake, South African players, uh, I, can't, I don't want to sort of say the wrong person, but it was not a, a well-known blue-head prop who refused to share a room with a black player during uh, the 99 World Cup, I think, or even the 2003 World Cup. Um so yes, rugby is very prevalent everywhere. Uh, is very prevalent everywhere, and it is in rugby. Uh, yes, uh, I think that's a fair fair point. Right, guys, we will we will crack on unabated. Let's go. Can we have your hands in the ruck, Sandy? Yeah, uh, th- this is. Um, uh, I had already decided what I was going to say, and then the uh, uh, friend of the pod, uh, Alan McDonald, uh, messaged me to say uh, the same thing. So. My hands in the ruck is people moaning about the fact there's going to be pillars holding up the roof at the new Mini Murrayfield Stadium. It's just, you know, it's been however long we've not had a place to call our own. It is sort of temporary, but it's a £10 million temporary. You know, I don't know know what a bricks and mortar stadium is going to cost, but it's not £10 million, clearly. Um, and whilst I've got, you know, whilst we're lucky that rugby is a sport that actually moves up and down a bit and you can actually follow it with your eyes or with your head, it shouldn't really matter that there's posts. Just be grateful that we've got a place and that in a financial climate that um, we can't even afford to get a, another uh, standoff to the club, that the SRU have decided that they're going to go ahead with a project that's costing quite a lot of money. Um, I think we need to, uh, there's a few... Uh, Edinburgh supporters on this just need to kind of get a bit of a reality check. To be honest, uh, it can't. It's as good as it's going to be at the moment, and it's you know. And if they're wonder, worried about the style, there's going to be some orange goalposts. So, <laughs> you know, be glad you've got. Happy. Be glad you've got a, a post holding up a roof. Eh? And yes, be aye. glad you have a roof. Aye. Aye. Are, the, are the goalposts going to light up? I don't know. They're going to be coloured orange. Yeah, but they better. Aye. Light up goalposts would be pretty cool. I wonder how that will affect the goal kickers. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's only once it goes through. Oh, oh, oh. that'd be quite good though. No, because yeah. I mean, the, yeah, you'll be able to see them. Aye, exactly. Aye, yeah. be able to see the ball cross the plane of the, the post a wee bit easier. That's for yeah. sure. For, uh, it'll be the contrast between posts. Yeah. This is what we bring, guys. Innovation every time we we come up with new solutions for rugby's pressing problems. We've had we had chat obviously recently about the, the the booing the kicker and you know obviously no fans being there. How that would how that would impact kickers. We're now solving the goal kicking issue with posts. Ian's pointing his finger at me. Yeah, that's that's a point actually. You know what we should do? We should collate the um the the goal kicking figures when we've had like silence to yep. when we've got booing. Uh, yeah, and then we, can, we go do a comparison. Uh, and we can go. use this as empirical evidence that uh, booing the goal kicker is good for them. Yeah, I'm actually we're helping you encourage us to boo. <laughs> <laughs> we're encouraging you to get it right. 
just as an aside, actually, it reminded me that on watching the Ulster game on Sunday that all the other crowd noise over the weekend, you know, the taped-in crowd noise was kind of generic. But for some reason, I still managed to hear stand up for the Ulsterman <laughs> on, uh, on Sunday. Was, I don't know how they've managed to sneak that in there. I, I'm saying nothing regarding that. That's, uh, yeah, I also heard that our, our, our pals down in Exeter, there was uh, some some oh, chop, some chopping boos. going on over the over the tannoy as well, which uh, fantastic, eh? Yeah. Honestly, what it was. They're still selling mascot uh, memorabilia. Are they? Uh, they? Although they said they retired the mascot, apparently stuff still on uh, available online, like little plushy toys and what have you. The what was he called again? Just the chief or something like that. Big, big, big chief. Big chief or something. Like that, yeah. uh, it's, I, I mean, I call my boss big chief occasionally, but I mean, it's not in the same. It's not in the same context. And uh, I mean, are, are they Native American? No, no, no. No. <laughs> no. no, they're chief as in boss, and uh, he's uh, he's quite a big gentleman. So, uh, <laughs> so yes, big. It's, it's that kind of classic West Coast thing, of, isn't it? Of All right, every, Chief. All right, Chief. And everything becomes, like, once you reach a certain mass, it becomes big. So you have to, you know, big Chief, there you go, sorted. Um, so I, I, I think you're absolutely right, Ian. Hands, hands in das Rook. Give, give us your hands in the Rook. Uh, but I've, I told you what mine was. It was people, the Warriors fans moaning about the... The tickets, oh. and then Rihanna nicked it. You did right, this so. earlier this afternoon. Oh, fair, fair enough. I was, I was giving you did. I know it just shows I don't pay attention to your messages uh, most of the time. Mate. I will. That's the best thing for it. Um, and also we've we've prowled on for a bit, haven't we? Ah, we bet. A wee bit. <laughs> Camus says he was only kidding, and he, he was he, he was actually wanting to edit a two-hour uh, effort. <laughs> uh, so. Or, uh, <laughs> uh, just just for a friend of the pod, Alan McDonald. Then do you want to uh, dust off the old crisp shirt? <laughs> see, see when he messaged about that the other day, I remember there was some roysters in the cupboard, and I went and I, I tanned a couple of packets. They were fantastic, fantastic. And I found that there's a couple of shops doing those kind of wee, wee salt, uh, wee pretzels, wee kind of baked pretzels. Oh, can I go wrong? There you go. That's a good crisp right there. That's, that's a solid crisp, being. That's a solid crisp. Not, not as good as they used to be, I think. Oh. The wee, the wee, the wee multi pack ones are so much smaller as well. Ah, you, you don't get a, like you have to buy yourself you buy yourself like a share pack, mm. and you think like this is really this is a bad look because obviously I'm going to eat this myself. <laughs> but it's like, it's too big for a single man. But you know you still got to tan it. It's, uh, it's true, very true. I mean, you could pad it out by you know making a sandwich with it. That's true. It's true. I think I think there's a market actually for like so we've obviously not went into the. We're obviously trying to give Scottish rugby some ideas for marketing, and we've talked about official crisp suppliers and stuff like that. But there's definitely a mark a market for some sort of official Nordic yogurt in Scottish rugby. Um, <laughs> get get where I'm going with this, right? So there's some <laughs> some seriously good Nordic yogurt out there, and um, apparently I'm a big fan of yogurt these days. Uh, and I found that Aldi do there's a there's a skier yogurt by Graham's. Um, and it's super berry. Now, I don't think there's a berry in here, right? But they claim it's super berry. 
and they do the wee pots of it, and they're usually good good value. I've just found that they do big pots for the same mm. price, and it's like a five hundred mil monster. And it, oh, so I tanned one of them the other day, just just in a winner. I was very happy with life. <laughs> See, man, that's the pure bizarre thing about um, larger sizes of things, because you know you said that was, was the same price as a small pot. Was, yeah, so uh, the. The Royal Infirmary arrives to work right. The, the news agent there, a 500ml bottle of Iron Brew was like £1.40. But then you could buy a litre one, which wasn't in the fridge, for a pound. So, re- relating this back to rugby, maybe this is us suggesting <laughs> to the SRU that when we eventually do get fans back into Murrayfield, if they wanted to create bigger sizes of things and charge us the same price as the wee, the wee, like the wee scabby hamburgers that they sell us, uh, and you know the seven seven fries you get alongside it for like sixteen thousand quid. Um, I'm obviously being facetious. So if MD from the SRU is watching, I don't believe that your food is sixteen thousand quid. Ian is probably more accurate with four pounds fifty. Don't don't at me. Yes. <laughs> that's, just, that's just for the chips. Oh, you're putting the burger on top. That's, that's, probably, that's, that's true. Probably six pound for that. Uh, must be more than that these days. But um, yes. Maybe maybe they should look at their food prices and and, and give us some more more food for our, our money. If the if the discount supermarkets can do it, so can US. Are you? That's that's my challenge to you tonight. <laughs> well, we, we, um, I think that was my hands in the rock. Maybe a, a, maybe a two years ago, um, and you know that um, amazing stadium in Atlanta. You know yep. the the Mercedes one with the roof that kind of closed over the sort of Irish one. Um, they noticed they put the prices of all their concession stands down and they noticed way more customers using the facilities there rather than just sitting out tailgating. Ah, um, right, so they would come in at the stadium early. Yeah, so, you know, and then it's just like if they're paying standard price for a beer rather than like $8 or whatever, they're like, all right, cool, give me five. <laughs> well, you know you know yourself as well, like, you tend to, when you go through to games, you start, you start off where you can get a couple of cheap beers. And then eventually, once you've had quite a few, you start to think, "Oh, I'll, I'll go and I'll begrudgingly pay a couple of, I'll get a couple of stadium beers." And of course, you never drink on the train. No, absolutely not, because that would be irresponsible and um, illegal. And uh, yes, and and Scotty would yeah. have words with us. So, um, but yeah, I think I think there's maybe something in that in terms of you know, we all we all know the match day experience can be quite quite fun you know if it's buzzing around the ground there's plenty of money to be had as well so yep if some poor wee intern somebody watch this i guess there you go you can t- you can have that one for free take that one to your bosses and see what you see what you can do for us so um any more for any more or shall we finish up and give cami cami a break all done all done yeah Fantastic. i think i've prolonged his agony enough I know, he'll, he'll, he'll really be unhappy that we decided to try and throw some crisp chat in there to try and uh, <laughs> prolong this for him. So if anyone has stayed with us for the duration of that, um, well done, you absolute masochist. Um, <laughs> you deserve a medal and a shout out. Um, obviously, at the start of the point, I didn't mention that you know we do have a, a Patreon for people uh, to subscribe to if they want to support the work we're doing here. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> um, you can, uh, for the cost of a beer, we've already talked beer, a, a cost a significantly less than the cost of a Murrayfield beer, you can um, get access to the Doogie Donnelly President Suite. 
which will get you ad-free um, audio for the podcast and you'll get access to the exclusive Patreon uh, Facebook page and you'll get exclusive content. It's it's all it's all gravy. You can also pay a wee bit more, um, five five pounds a month. Oh, sorry, I've got them the wrong way around. Five pounds a month gets you into the, the Doogie Donnelly suite. Um, three pounds a month gets you into the Richie Vernon Thunderdome, which does sound class. So if you do want to give us a wee bit of your spare change and uh, support the work we do here, that would be grand. Um, but I guess now that we've put the begging bowl round, it is a good night from me and good night from Sandy and Ian. Cheerio. Hey, folks.